Hi, this is Julian Grant. I'm the director of the movie Fuckload of Scotch Tape. You're listening to Booked. Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. The book we're going to be talking about tonight is Big Egos by S.G. Brown. Uh, S.G. Brown, a little bit about him. He's the author of the novels Breathers, Faded, Lucky Bastard, and Big Egos, as well as a novella, I Saw Zombies Eating Santa Claus. His short story collection, Shooting Monkeys in a Barrel, contains 10 twisted tales and is available as an ebook. His writing has been influenced by Stephen King, Chuck Palahniuk, Christopher Moore, Kurt Vonnegut, and the films of Charlie Kaufman and Wes Anderson, among others. He loves dark comedies, Ben and Jerry's ice cream, and is a sucker for It's a Wonderful Life. He also really resents it when you lose the books he sends to you. That's not, we don't know that for a fact. Well, we're going to find out. I'm hoping he doesn't. I'm hoping that's not a fact. Ah, man. Anyway, so let's talk about this, this, um this author bio so i've read all of his books which it's kind of weird because there's not too many people i mean we've had some people only had like one book you know or two Mm -hmm. so you're reading through that and i'm thinking i've read all of these and i just realized that um that this is a you know spoiler alert sg brown's one of my favorite writers nice i've read all of our books yes yes (laughs) yeah but um we did review i saw zombies eating santa claus as our uh, holiday episode i believe 2012 Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we had S.G. Brown on, which was a terrific interview. So that's the guy we're going to have to have on again. Yeah, I really dig that dude. Um, he also ruined um, at least one of Liv's lunches with his shooting monkeys in a barrel. <laughs> he And he's, like, super nice to us. Um, uh, like, he, he's very engaged when we post stuff and... Mm-hmm. I randomly made a comment about how I was excited about this book, and he messaged me and said, hey, I'll send you an ARC. I should have messaged back, don't bother. I'm not going to let it go, dude. I have no idea. You have no (laughs) idea how upsetting it is. Like, I'm hoping that somewhere down the line, like, I'm going to be cleaning out my car or something, and magically from, like, under the seat, it's Mm -hmm. I looked under the seat, by the way, just so you know, but because it's either that or someone stole my goddamn book. I can't tell you how many times I'm thinking, all he needs to do is flip up that thing in his car. No, no, it's not in there. I looked. I looked everywhere. At any rate, um, a lesson to be learned by publishers and or authors. Um, you can't lose an ebook. That's right. So, any rate, let's talk about uh, about this book. Uh, here is the synopsis. Where Where is the synopsis from, sir? Pulled straight from the Amazonians. So, Amazon.com, who I'm not a big fan of right now either. Maybe we'll talk about that a little later. Um, has uh, this synopsis. Does your lifestyle not fit the person inside you? Then try someone else on for size. Call him whatever. Call him whomever. He can be any legally authorized fictional character or dead celebrity he wants for six to eight hours simply by injecting a DNA-laced cocktail into his brainstem. It's called Big Egos, and it's the ultimate role-playing fantasy from engineering, genetics, organization, and systems, also known as Egos. And as one of the quality controllers for egos, he's the ultimate ego tripper, taking on more artificial identities than advisable and having a hell of a time doing it. Problem is, he's starting to lose the ability to separate fact from fiction. 
His every fantasy is the new reality, and the more roles he plays, the less of him remains. Sure, it's dangerous. Yes, he's probably losing his mind. Okay, hundreds of others could be at risk. But sometimes who you are isn't good enough, and the truth is, reality is so overrated. With his insightful wit, smart humor, and electrifying narrative, acclaimed author S.G. Brown takes readers on a satirical and provocative trip into the not-too-distant future, where, for some, pretending to be someone you're not is just another day at the office. All right. For the record, Livius uh, volunteered to read the synopsis, even though it was like nine pages long. It's a good synopsis. It's a great synopsis. synopsis. Yeah. All right. So one other thing about the synopsis. Yeah, I just kind of realized I'm pretty sure that the character the narrator has is is an unnamed narrator. Mm -hmm. That's kind of weird. It's yeah. I mean, I mean, especially since like there's a whole identity element to the book that's Mm -hmm. pretty much just right in your face um it's weird that yeah i also kind of didn't notice that it was an unnamed narrator you know but that's the the, so here's the problem here's what happens when i read an author i really like um i didn't do my you know diligent kind of preparation note-taking because i just got sucked into the book Mm -hmm. and so i was reading the synopsis i'm like you know i'm pretty sure he has no name so Anyway, so we have an unnamed narrator. Um, the synopsis uh, calls it what it is. He works for a company um, that makes uh, egos. And uh, working for them, he has fairly unlimited access to all types of different egos. So uh, the setup for the story is we, we're at a party that's just laced with celebrities. And that's how the book opens. So if you haven't read the synopsis, it's kind of a weird opening you know, if you don't know what it's about. Because there are all these legendary people at a party that did not exist in the same time yeah or whatever and there's like fictional characters and um but a great way to kick off the book and, and um kudos to him for having an idea that you could kind of expand on in, in multiple ways so throughout the book there are more than a few of these parties that are little snapshots through the course of the book and you just have this great great interaction between people that uh that never would have had a chance fictional or otherwise to, to run into one another yeah yeah, it's like little vignettes where he's kind mm-hmm. of telling you. It's almost like he's recalling what happened, and mm-hmm. telling you about it that way. And um, so he is one of like typically these egos, what they're called, are dead celebrities um, that the company has gained the rights to to be able to um, use for their customers to to become those people for a small period of time and so uh he's one of the he is acting or not acting it's not acting at all he's he has become one of these celebrities and typically it's dead celebrities because there's a whole you know legal thing with like still living celebrities anyway um yeah and you'll just see like uh the thing i like about it to kind of just build on what olivia just said was that you see people that you usually only think of in in the context of their contribution to art and culture but acting in a very casual like party atmosphere that's really it's a it's a different look at people it's pretty funny like how shakespeare thinks people are like you know uh like think what he thinks about you know different writers and stuff like that is 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 interesting absolutely so that's where our story starts. Um, our narrator has worked for Big Egos. Um, there, there is a problem, uh, of course, like with anything. You have a knockoff product, uh, black market egos. And 
basically where the where the story starts we find out these black market egos are are dangerous to people and of course we have the whole societal thing where society doesn't think that ego should be used because they allow you to become someone else and there's protests and, and all kinds of uh, you know all kinds of other things going on but basically our narrator is uh you know he kind of gets involved he's in this research uh, position at his at his job and uh he's kind of asked to take on a task involving black market egos mhm and the really interesting thing about I know I'm kind of jumping away from what you were saying, but the interesting thing about the way that it actually works, like uh, like in the synopsis, it said he injects DNA into himself, mm-hmm. but it actually changes you. Like, it's not like a virtual reality thing. It actually changes you to look like this person, and uh, and you know, you kind of like you're almost taken over by this person, this personality or whatever, for a certain period of time. So. Oh, it's just really interesting to see, like, it's like a total fully immersed escape from reality while still being in reality. So uh, it's obviously expensive, and that's why the black market exists, and it's under less scientific, like, controlled circumstances. So, um, but then the other thing about it uh, is we're seeing this from the perspective of our main character who gets all of his information from his company so it's kind of a limited perspective on what's actually going on with these um these black market egos because really the only thing we know at least initially comes from his company which obviously has a bit of an agenda yep all right so through the course of the book we we see a couple different views and it's really interesting what brown did here so we have the um the current our, our narrator going to work dealing with his girlfriend dealing with his best friend we have these flashbacks to his childhood that show us kind of where he came from um and then we have these uh, vignettes as rob uh very well put a little earlier um where they're at these parties so the voice and the style of this book changes from from chapter to chapter and your scene setting changes anytime you you're in a our narrator is in an ego you know the writing style changes his personality changes to fit the character that he's playing um characters like uh you know James Bond um Indiana Jones Elvis you know so we're we're seeing the world through the narrator's eyes but he's using the eyes of a dead celebrity yep uh one of your favorites someone you like to bring up all the time Holden Caulfield that's exactly right. And that <laughs> and part I, was I done you, very well, actually. I really like that a lot. Yeah. I enjoyed the Captain Kirk as well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so our narrator, uh, on top of dealing with, as the, the synopsis said, you know, that he's kind of starting to lose his own personality in these egos. Um, he's dealing with a pretty high-maintenance girlfriend. Um, and then he has a, a best friend who, at least in the beginning of the book, is... Uh, very reserved and, and doesn't really believe in the egos, kind of afraid of dealing with them. Sorry, I was totally distracted. I had my Kindle open um, and, and the battery was dying. Mm-hmm. I have never seen an ad for a Kindle charger, but I have it plugged into a not official Kindle charger. And the ad that's on the front page says save 50% on Kindle 5 watt USB charger. It's always that's an ad creepy. for a book. Yeah, but it knows it's charging. So I think it just showed <laughs> me a different ad, which is totally distracting. So. Um, Back to what uh, I was saying. 
Um, so he's dealing with uh, with his best friend Nat, who um, is very reserved and he's kind of the dork. It, it seems like the narrator was, uh, you know, kind of I don't know, had taken Nat under his wing and tried to make his life a little better by letting him experience some of the things, or leading him, or teaching him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's dealing with his everyday stuff, and then again, you know, he he's called in to to do this job where basically he is to find black market egos and provide them with an antidote. So that they don't, um, so they don't die from taking it is how it's presented to them, basically. Yeah. So kind of, I, I I will say that I didn't expect that turn, mm-hmm. um, and and the way that it went, it was really interesting, and uh, it's one of those things that it's like, yeah, that's pretty much all we can say about it because it's just a uh, super spoilery, but that the whole storyline of the black market egos and how he's involved was probably one of the most compelling parts of the book yeah absolutely i totally didn't expect it um to be as uh ultimately as dark as it becomes Mm -hmm. um and and yeah just very very well done there's just so many different good things we could talk about in this book you know and a lot of times we review a book and there's you know, the, it's the 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 main character is great. The storyline is great, but it's very linear. And like I said, with this one, you've got three different views throughout the book, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a fourth one even is is the narrator. And again, I only say this because I wasn't going to talk about this, but it, because it's in the synopsis, as he starts to lose his grip on reality, um, you start he has memories that didn't occur, or maybe didn't occur, or they're memories. But his mom is yeah. at one point is Marge Simpson. You know that that type of thing. So there's mm-hmm. there's almost a fourth fantasy reality um, that that's going on too. So in a very very short book, um, he manages to 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 work in a lot of different angles, which which was really interesting because it keeps you on your toes. I guess it's not that short. It's 384 pages. It felt shorter than that. <laughs> yes, and for me watching the way that the balance between those different aspects of the book changed as things went on went on was really interesting like the uh obviously it's not introduced really toward the beginning that he you know his grasp of uh what's happening might not be so solid as he thought it was it's introduced you know later on in the book obviously cuz he uh, Brown wanted to establish at the beginning that you thought everything was cool because that's what the narrator thought. Um, and to see that just subtle, gradual change, it was really elegant. I think that um, there wasn't any point where I'm like, oh, he's making a turn. It just kind of seemed like it was a natural flow. So, uh, it, yeah, it just worked out nicely. Cool. I think that's probably about as much as we can do for story. Yeah. Um, characters. Interestingly enough, uh, it is one of the smaller casts of characters and also one of the largest cast of characters we've, we've seen in a book. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's basically, it's our, our unnamed protagonist, um, his girlfriend, um, Nat, his best friend, and then there's a couple people that work with him, but everybody else is a celebrity. Um, and some he runs into multiple times, and the thing you have to remember is that they're not the same people when we... Um, see them again he only sees them as the celebrity that they are but yeah i mean how many celebrities if you had to ballpark how many fictional and or actual celebrities would you say were in this book 
Uh, easily a hundred. Yeah, that's what I. That's the number I was thinking too. It's probably about a hundred, and some of them are just in passing. But it's some of the best moments in the book. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you've got two, uh, you know, uh, classic writers like wrestling around on the floor over an argument. You know, I mean, it's just really great stuff. Yeah, and it's like you see them in in unmass almost because there's like ego like themed parties almost. It seems like mm-hmm. where there'll be. Uh, you know, it would be one night. It would be like, inter- like the spies or whatever, like uh, like TV or movie spies. Another time, there was several times that it was writers, mm-hmm. um, you know, fictional characters like Jessica Rabbit and stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, themed parties, and within them, it's cool to see how the different uh, similar characters, like real people, but also fictional characters, would interact with each other. It was definitely one of the more I mean, I could have just read, you know, if he, it was if it was a collection of, you know, thirty of these vignettes of him just writing different like social scenes where all these people were interacting, that would have been more than an, you know, it would have been an incredible book just by itself like that. Yeah, I just happened to open to the the first chapter and here just to give you an example of of uh, some of the interaction. Bruce Lee is hitting on Hot Lips Houlihan. Evil Knievel is attempting to jump over half a dozen of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. Daisy Duke and Farrah Fawcett are comparing their breasts while Andy Kaufman officiates. Yeah. It's so. pretty awesome. And I think uh, Ernest Hemingway shows up several times and he's like, he's talking to different people every time. Like uh, William Faulkner, I think, one time. Mm-hmm. I think F. Scott Fitzgerald was in there at some at one point. Yep. Um like Jack Kerouac makes an appearance and he was singing on the road again, karaoke, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just hilarious. Yeah. Lots of, so. lots of great moments spread throughout the book um, from that, that standpoint, but it's also really insightful um, because it deals with identity. And one of the things that we flash back to is um, the protagonist's childhood and his father, who isn't a, isn't a real like warm and fuzzy kind of guy who's always trying to teach his son a lesson. And even then at his, you know, seven year old self, he's being told things like, you know, you have to be the man that people expect you to be, you know, that, that type of thing that plays into, right. you know, what, what we see later. Um, so very insightful as far as identity and, and, um, you know, self presentation, you know, how other people see you and how you see yourself. So it wasn't just that it's a, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, uh, all these great scenes with, you know, classic uh, characters and, and, and real celebrities, you know, mingling together that are real funny. It was actually had some quite some depth to it. Yeah, and one of the things that I liked was the obvious thought is that people would become someone else, someone famous, uh, as a means of escape. But it went beyond escape because, you know, some people were just bored, mm-hmm. you know. Or some people were, I mean, it was... For others, it seemed like it was just the ultimate like cosplay, like where they were just like they were going in costume almost as these people, because that's just what they like to do. So it wasn't just like the ultimate drug of an escape. It was actually different people doing it for different reasons, different motivations, and and like looking for di- different outcomes from it too. So that was uh, you could tell he put some thought into like what would motivate someone to want to do that. But there was also like the very addictive element to it. And um, like the comparison to drug use, obviously. 
But then the interesting thing was with the, and, and this is very, I thought it was very subtle, very subtly done, with the black market egos as we are exposed to them more directly in the book, and I'm tr- I'll try not to spoil anything. Um, it seems like, obviously, uh, the main character had been hearing that the effect was different because it was, you know, created and manufactured differently, and, and it worked a little differently. Mm-hmm. But the effect on the people who took it was noticeably different as well. Uh, not just with ill side effects, but like with their attitude and confidence and like the, their actual experience of it was different and almost kind of enhanced, it seemed like. Yeah, like there were less reservations about. Yeah, they got bolder and, and more confident, mm-hmm. it seemed. Yep. But it was very subtly done. Very cool. Anything else you want to talk about before we go into um, quotes? Yeah, there's one thing that um, just as I was reading through, I kind of kept going back in my mind to there's a TV show called Dollhouse. If anybody hasn't watched it before, um, the basic idea is they have these people who go into like a five-year contract with this company who they basically give over their body for five years and this company programs them to be different people so that their rich clients can, you know, use those people in different situations. So it could be like a romantic engagement or they need an expert in certain field to help with certain things, but they want it to be off the books, like that type of thing. So uh, it reminded me of that uh, because of just the overall like change that happens to someone, but um, also the implications of the technology and what Nick, negative uses could be applied from that so i kept kind of navigating back to that in my mind which is a really awesome show i just rewatched it recently so it was kind of nice that this book came up right after i'd watched the show again when you were talking about them selling their their bodies i thought that one of the uh customers would have been vermonthookers.net <laughs> that's what came to mind that's their that. cover website is vermonthookers.net yeah so <laughs> All right, you want me to kick it off with a couple quotes? Yeah, ragged. All right, so oddly enough, my first quote, and I didn't think about this when you were saying it, is a conversation between uh, Faulkner and uh, and Hemingway. Um, Faulkner listens with a bored expression as Hemingway dominates the conversation with bombastic conviction, speaking in short sentences like bursts of machine gun fire. Give me a boat, says Hemingway, in the open sea. Nothing else matters. What about complex sentences, says Faulkner. Overrated, says Hemingway, and overdone. I thought that was fucking hilarious. like it. This is a funny comparison in the earlier part of the book where he's, in the beginning, the the main character just, it's almost like, it's not overdone, but you know it was done on purpose that he's talking so much about the company and explaining what it is and how it, you know, works and the upsides to it. It was almost sales pitchy to a degree Mm -hmm. and uh this is right at the end of chapter five just all natural identities renewable celebrities organic personalities were the next generation of green like that very nice he's selling it as like a earth friendly Mm -hmm. (laughs) um this is from very early in the book six percent in um it's conversation our protagonist is trying to convince nat to um to 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 try a a big ego 
So this starts off with uh, with Nat talking. Okay, so if I'm famous, can I have sex with famous women? He says, like Taylor Swift or Jennifer Lawrence or Megan Fox. Probably not them because they're still alive, but anything's possible. Theoretically, you can have sex with famous women, but it's easier if they're already dead. The mother sitting near us with her two young children picks up her towels and personal belongings and moves farther away. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that the people we know are are, are the are the mother shooing away type of crowd yeah. when they have conversations in public. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Uh, here's just a quick one I enjoyed that involves uh, our protagonist's girlfriend, whose name is Delilah. What do you think about a new couch? Delilah stands in the middle of the living room, wearing that look women get when they decide they want to change something, like your haircut or your wardrobe or the way you show her that you love her. <laughs> one thing that I forgot to mention, and I remember because it's highlighted in there, is Nick Monday's appearance in this book was uh, was kind of nice. Wait, where? What? The the party that um, all the detectives are at. Nick Monday is the host. He shows up at the very end, kind of like walks through the room. Oh, I'll be damned. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, yeah. Nick Monday, for anybody who didn't catch that, was uh, the protagonist in Lucky Bastard that we reviewed here. Totally right, right over my head. Can I throw two at you really quickly? Sure. Uh, really quick one, which I just, for me, this, uh, this, this line means a lot more now than it ever did before, like this year. There's just a quick line where it's, are you talking to me? I say, not like De Niro in Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anybody who doesn't understand why that's significant to me, maybe you should pick up a copy of the book, the anthology and, uh, give it a read through. See if you think you figure it out. Nice way, uh, to, nice way to embed a plug there. I know. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't my plan. Uh, and really quickly, this is just... All right, so he, again, characters from movies and, and actual celebrities and stuff are mentioned a lot. Uh, at one point in the book, this is me being a nerd, he mentions Odd Job, which is a character from James Bond movies mm-hmm. or a James Bond movie. Uh, later in the book, he re- he mentions Random Task, which is the name of a character who's spoofing Oddjob uh, in Austin Powers, who, uh, actually the actor who played Random Task is, is I think, a convicted murderer now. Like, the dude just went nuts and, like, killed people. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I had to point that out. Here is quite possibly the most insightful um line in the book and it requires just a little bit of setup um the protagonist is uh is he's talking to delilah and uh, this starts with delilah speaking um, because i'm sitting i'm sorry this <clears throat> this starts with the protagonist speaking why should i worry about you because i'm sitting here on your lap and you're completely ignoring me how do you think that makes me feel why is it that women are always asking about how things make them feel this guy has had uh, has uh, has been around some women. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he understands. So. <laughs> I'm gonna throw out a lighthearted one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of like midway through his description of uh, a love scene, but I just this one line which just kills kills me. Then I'm walking out of the kitchen and into the living room, wearing Delilah like a redheaded bulletproof vest. Mm-hmm. 
Oh my god. I really like so that good. one a lot. I have that yeah. um, highlighted too. Um, another one, uh, another reference to another S.G. Brown book here. One of my favorite games is... Um, sorry, I guess I should set this up. Um, Nat and the protagonist used to play uh, different games when they were when they were younger. So, for example, one of them they used to play Emergency, where they would have this, you know, situations would would come up, and they would have to be firefighters or uh, you know policemen or, or something to, to rectify an emergency. One of my favorite games is Reanimation, where we pretend to be a zombie in a society in which we don't have any rights and are abused by the living. Usually Nat gets dressed up like a zombie and I pelt him with expired food products, but sometimes I play the part of the recently reanimated and he pretends to be my therapist. It's a little shout out to, uh, to yeah. breathers there. I love callbacks. Yep. I've got, alright, I know that we're doing quotes forever, but this, I mean, yeah. he's just such a quotable dude. Um, he's talking about... Uh, getting injured as a kid and I, I think his broke his nose and he was bleeding on uh, on himself and um he says i didn't panic not even with blood pouring from my forehead and turning my la dodgers t-shirt into an impromptu rorschach test it looks like two charlie sheens high-fiving each other around a vagina <laughs> oh my god um, you're right, we are, because I'm only halfway through my quotes. So I'm going to do this one, and apparently some of my favorite scenes took place between him and Delilah. I can't help it, I say. You can't help it. It's part of the job. It's part of the job. Either Delilah has echolalia, or she's beginning to lose her hearing. Just laugh out loud funny. <laughs> echolalia. That's awesome. Echolalia. I love it. Uh, I think I have ten left, so uh, let's see. Oh, hey, he mentions my birthday by date, which uh, gets him an extra star, in my opinion. A uh, really quick one. He sounds like a tuba having an orgasm. really like that one. Um, this one is uh, this is a real quick one. Um, remember, son, being the runner-up isn't anything to celebrate. It just means you're the first one to lose the race. I get the feeling that I'll be using that frequently. Yeah. <laughs> this is just so lame I had to highlight it. With the while the bartender pours Genghis another Bud Light and gets me a <laughs> refill on my Guinness, Jack the Ripper sits down on the other side of me and orders a Bloody Mary. Go figure. Wah wah. All right, I, I've got one, and this this one's probably maybe a little in poor taste. Um, he's using an ego of uh, John F. Kennedy. I'm about to stop her when a car backfires out on Santa Monica Boulevard, and I flinch and duck and reach up to make sure my head is still in one piece. It's kind of an automatic response. I can't go anywhere near a parade and a 4th of July fireworks show. Forget it. Yeah. He wasn't pulling punches with some of the no, quotes. No. This is just a quick one. that uh, It's not even that funny. I just I just like it. Having dated a vegan for six years. I haven't converted to vegetarianism yet because bacon tastes so damn good. Apparently I'm not alone. I hear some vegetarians are lobbying to have bacon reclassified as a vegetable. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I've got like 12 other quotes, I, I know, think. But I know. I, think, that's, uh, I, I closed my Kindle. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what I love about S.G. Brown is that, you know, it's... It, you know, there's insight, there's humor. Um, the humor is really, really solid. And in most cases, without kind of crossing that line into uh, profane, right. you know what I mean? So we've read a lot of stuff where it was funny in a very profane way, but he manages to keep it pretty much family friendly. 
um, mm-hmm. and, and still makes it hilarious. And I, I find it hard to find, you know, TV shows or movies that, that can that can pull that off. But here's a guy writing books that does it at every every time I've read his stuff. Yeah. Yep. I agree. All right, you ready to wrap it up, buddy? Uh, yeah, I'll let you do the honors of going first. Oh, gee, thanks. Um, I think I kind of started my wrap-up in the previous statement I made, but uh, I will kind of reiterate. Um, S.G. Brown delivers a very, very funny book, um, but manages to do some really interesting stuff within it. Like I said, he has to write in different voices, even though everything we're seeing is through the narrator's eyes. Um, you know, we, we kind of do this back and forth where we learn more about his childhood and, and who he is now. And, you know, that all kind of culminates at the end. Um, and there's even some great, uh, like, aside weird, like what would be a dream sequence in another book. And I'd hate it. This actually plays well into it because it's it's this deterioration of the protagonist's mind. But there are just some great moments delivered there as he's kind of um, remembering slash reimagining um, his childhood. Um, I have, you know, yet to be disappointed by an S.G. Brown book, and this one is uh, is is right up there with all of them. It's going to be five stars for me. I kind of knew you were going to go five stars, dude. I love this guy. <laughs> um, a lot of what Livia said. Uh, sadly, one of the things that I love the most about the book was kind of the dark uh, storyline of the the uh, black market egos that we can't talk about at all just so interesting he could have taken that one storyline by itself and and just fleshed it out into a much darker much more serious book mm-hmm. um and it would have been just incredible uh but that being said um nothing diminishes the other thing everything works well together so the fact that there were some of the little more lighthearted, humorous parts and i have to give him a ton of credit for if you think about it, taking so many celebrities and writing from different perspectives of celebrities is a gigantic risk, and it's something that almost nobody could pull off. And he did a great job of it. I mean, anytime you see uh, like a movie that you know uh, that like a celebrity is depicted in as themselves, it's always just so like cheesy and and. I don't know. So, like, the fact that he actually did a, what I consider to be a really good job portraying uh, famous dead people in a way that wasn't, you know, lame or just uh, incidental to the story, I, I, I really admired. So those were kind of the two things that I, I, I thought were the strongest elements of the book. But just overall... Brown knows how to write a story, and he knows how to just cram so much into it without making it feel like it's a gigantic story. It's just got a great flow to it, a very uh, consistent storyline, and one where, you know, what you think might be a very cut-and-dry situation really left me guessing the whole way through. Like, there there was times where I was thinking, I'm sure this is going to be what's going on with this unreliable narrator, and I was completely wrong, so... I don't know. Overall, just a really fascinating book with a lot of different elements that were really cool. Um, so I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go four and a half stars for this one. Hopefully, he's already done with another one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we can just look at that collection. Didn't he? When we interviewed him, didn't he say that shooting monkeys in a barrel was just like all those little stories that lead to making books out of? Yes. Yes. So that's so. Uh, yeah. 
If you want a preview of like a bunch of his potential future books, just read Shooting Monkeys in a Barrel. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. He's got a weird one at the end there. Don't read that one when you're on lunch. <laughs> Not when you're That's on Liv's lunch. Yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to eat while reading that, yeah, stop. <laughs> stop before you get to the end. I think it was the last story in that collection, if I remember correctly. All right. On to other stuff. What do you want to talk about? We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. All right. We'll knock out the easy one first. Okay. The, the the term book to studio is taking on an entirely different meaning <laughs> starting Thursday of this week. Because I'm moving into a studio apartment. Yep. Well, that's why, right? Because it's in studio right in the ad. And you were like, this is what we need. This is what I've I always need, wanted. I've been waiting to get a studio forever for this <laughs> yeah. podcast. And then I show up. It's like one room. And I'm like, oh, oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But I liked it enough that I decided to keep it anyway. Yeah, dude. As long as you got room for a bed in that studio, that's, you know. I've got I got some plans for this place. Sleeping in the studio. That's right. Oh yeah, I totally just yawned through your studio thing. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so congratulations to Rob moving into uh, moving into his uh, his new uh, pad this week. So yeah, the next one the next one will the next one we record then will be the third location you've recorded from. Is that? Yes, the third my third living space. The third booked studio for yeah. you. Yeah. Well, I was in the booked one bedroom uh, in Vermont, and now I'm in the booked my mom's house. <laughs> yeah. We call it the booked townhouse. It sounds much better. Yeah. The booked, yeah. Room above a garage. Yeah. All right. On to sadder um, news. Um, as with all good things, eventually they come to an end. Uh, Manarchy Magazine. Uh, as an entity of very close friend to this show, um, and both Rob and I have, uh, in various capacities, participated in in uh, Manarchy's short, rather short life, I'd say. Right? It's been a little over a year since Palavia took over Manarchy. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, is is shutting down. Um, a lot of the talent there uh, are looking at moving forward to other projects that are, will be time-consuming, and I'm sure some of those will be highlighted here on Booked if and when they come. Um, but it's going out with a bang, so this month, get uh, get out there, check out Manarchy Magazine. Um, I know the content will remain up for a good period of time, and I believe there's a secondary hosting option. So stuff that's on there uh, will continue to be available in some fashion, but uh, yeah, it is drawing to a close. Yeah, I mean the reality of it is, if you think about it, uh, the amount of time that's required to maintain a website that has sometimes or you know multiple uh, articles per day, it, it's just so time-consuming that it takes away from your ability to do other things. So I think overall the decision um, is good for making projects that that require more time. Um, so that one project doesn't make another suffer. So, in that respect, it's kind of like a phoenix. <laughs> It'll die out so that we can rise from the ashes. It's such a lame. I just I wanted to make a really lame <laughs> I, uh, analogy. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how it's like a city in Arizona, but uh, oh. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm hoping it, it's more like a phoenix and less like like a Scottsdale, or uh, uh. I know there's probably at least one other city in Arizona, but it's all falling <laughs> apart. So, uh, anyway, uh, my my point being the what Livia said basically that 
hopefully this will free up a lot of really good talent to work on some more interesting and less uh, continuously time-consuming projects. Yeah, poor Pela Via. Not only that, but she had to go through the book anthology. Yeah, uh, yeah. Essentially, the last like, yeah, because it's like, it was June of 2012 that she took over Manarchy. So between then, and then we in August announced that we were going to do the book. So in the last like ten months, she's just been. That's probably been all of her time. Yeah. So and then uh, on top of it, like planning our vacations for us and stuff. Yeah. So other projects for her are going to include sleep, um, long baths, bottles of mm-hmm. wine. Um, and that's what uh, what you can expect from Pay La Via in the coming months. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking of anthologies, um, we mentioned here a couple weeks ago that the booked friend um, and reading alum now, Richard Thomas, is uh, heading up uh, Dark House Press, and they have announced the table of contents uh, to their first collection, The New Black. Noir um, Nuevo. That's Spanish or for New Black. Neo-Noir. Right. Yeah. I don't know if anybody caught that, but remember when I was ranting about genre? Yes. Category? All right. So anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I didn't copy the names of the stories. He has them. Mm-hmm. Um, but here is a list of all the authors that are going to be in it. Brian Evanson, Stephen Graham Jones, Craig Clevenger, Paul Tremblay, Lindsay Hunter, Roxanne Gay, Kyle Miner, Benjamin Percy, Roy Casey... Craig Davidson, Matt Bell, Richard Lang, Michaela Morissette, maybe related to Alanis. Never probably heard that joke before. Joe Mino, Vanessa Veselka, Veselka? Mm-hmm. Nick Corpon, Damian Walters, Grintail, Grintalis. Wow. Antonia Crane, Rebecca Jones Howe, and Craig Walwork. Uh, any of those names familiar to you? Well, the thing that struck me the most about this list was the fact that this collection has exactly one more Craig than we do in ours. Like, Richard Thomas <laughs> went and out-Craigged us. Well, the exactly the same number of Craigs as Warmed and Bound, though. Yeah, that's true. But I'm talking about us. He had to yeah, out-Craig yeah. us. Can you believe that? He's like, yeah, i got to get one more Craig than these guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was Craig Davidson in Warmed and Bound? Is that the other mm-hmm. Craig? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I thought so. Um, yeah, I, we have some some crossover, which isn't surprising, um, being that there's a, a significant writing community that that you know we're a part of now but by doing this show. Somehow have been embraced by some of these folks, but um, yeah, booked anthology alum uh, alums alumni. If there's more than one, right? Alumni could be uh, yeah, because yeah. like if you're an individual, you might be an alumnus, but I think alumni is the plural. Sure. Um, so those people that were in our book, <laughs> Craig Clevenger, Paul Tremblay, Nick Corbin, and Craig Walwork, um, doing a little crossover there in the Dark House um, Press anthology. I was looking at the TOC, and the Craig Clevenger story is active contrition. And I'm like, why does that sound so familiar? And I was thinking about it for a while, and I'm like, oh, Warren Bound. That's the one from Warren Bound. Mm-hmm. Uh, also appearing, Brian Evanson, Stephen Graham Jones, Kyle Miner have all appeared in one way or another on our uh, podcast as well. So really what we're saying is Richard Thomas is pilfering our <laughs> podcast for his, <laughs> his table of contents. I remember we used that Alanis Morissette song for one of the episodes. That's right, yeah. So there's that too. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so 
really, we inspire people to create, I think is what we're talking about. We are highly inspirational to the community. We are um, muses. Yeah, we're muses. We blaze trails. Mm-hmm. There's so many firsts that we have. Richard Thomas, we're totally just giving yeah. you a hard time about this. <laughs> yeah, uh, knowing Richard Thomas, I have to imagine that like he's had lists of people scribbled in notebooks for a long time oh, that yeah. he wants to like put collections together and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I would like to say that um, Dark House Press, from what we've heard so far, is looking at doing some pretty interesting things. Yeah, um, I, I like what I've heard so far. Little birdies are tweeting around us, and uh, I'm liking what I'm hearing. I'm looking forward to getting some of these books in our hands so that we can talk about them in more detail. Absolutely. Hint, Richard. Basically, that leads to, like, I'm just going to, like, hang around outside of Richard Thomas's house, wait for, like, the mail to get delivered, and if I see a box, I'm just going to open it up and take out stuff. Dude, we should totally do that. Listen, nobody tell Richard Thomas that we decided on this, but that's what we're going to do. And he's like, I sent him off to the printers. We'll just take turns hanging out by the house. <laughs> I like it. We'll work in shifts. If anybody wants to get some free books, we'll split them with you if you want to be a placeholder. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Hey, speaking of Brian Evanson. Yeah. This this is all you, man. You came up with this. Oh, so yeah. Um it's Brian Evanson's birthday today. We happen to be and another, another we like holiday. to record on holidays mm-hmm. and um, Brian Evanson's birthday. Brian Evanson, God love the guy. Like he writes great stuff. He's so gracious about coming on our podcast. There's always something big going on in his life when he's nice enough to step away and, and, and join us. So um, definitely big enough for us to say a big happy birthday to him. I think the last time we had him on, he had just like literally the like a, within the week had his had a child mm-hmm. <laughs> and he still uh, you know agreed to, to talk to us so very gracious very very fun dude all right this uh this next segment um it's uh it's been a while but uh we have a uh, another installment in patterson watch dude it's been so long you know what here's the whole thing it, it, we're just saying the same things over and over and over again <laughs> like listen to how terrible this sounds <laughs> But this one is, it's its new levels of terrible. Um, James Patterson's uh, newest release came out uh, just a few days ago. Um, it's uh, its called Mistress. It's by James Patterson and um, David Ellis. The thing that, uh, that, the way this popped up on my radar, and I think it was Anthony Neil Smith on Twitter, it said, God damn it, Patterson's putting his own picture on the front of his books now. Which, of course, <laughs> was my original idea for the book anthology, if you remember. It was just going to be a picture of me. Yeah, with a microphone, so, right? Yep. Yeah. So I had this idea long before Patterson did. I just want to say that that he's stealing my he's stealing my uh, my ideas right out of my head. Apparently, son of the most th- uh, that son of a bitch, that son of a bitch. But anyway, um, there is some discussion worthy stuff here. But of course, what would a Patterson watch be without me reading his uh, the the synopsis? James Patterson's scariest, sexiest standalone thriller since. The quickie. Ben isn't like most people. Unable to control his racing thoughts, he's a man consumed by his obsessions. Movies, motorcycles, presidential trivia, and Diana Hotchkiss, a beautiful woman Ben knows he can never have. When Diana is found dead outside her apartment, Ben knows he can't have her. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's, that's <laughs> <not>. <laughs> no, this wasn't written by Josh Deach. <laughs> yeah. 
Ben's infatuation drives him on a hunt to find out what happened to the love of his life. Ben soon discovers that the woman he pined for was hiding a shocking double life, and now someone is out to stop Ben from uncovering the truth about Diana's illicit affairs. In his most heart-pumping thriller yet, James Patterson plunges us into the depths of a mind tortured by paranoia and obsession on an action-packed chase through the world through a world of danger and deceit. All right. I have something. I have a bone to pick. Okay. Remember how we were talking about how we inspire people were muses? Mm-hmm. All right. The whole story of, like, a guy who's consumed by his own obsessions and he's infatuated with a girl. Mm-hmm. Does that remind you of any stories that you've read recently that might be written by me? Um, now that you've narrowed it down, <laughs> yes. As a matter <laughs> of fact, it does. Then she dies and he's infatuated. Does that remind you of a story that was written by Josh Deach? Yes. Then, the rest of it, does that remind you of a shitty story? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, a little bit. James Patterson stole mine and Josh Deej's idea, combined them, and made them terribly shitty. Oh. Yes, I agree. Or or maybe not. (laughs) Maybe we should look at some of the reviews and see what they say. Dude, before we even get to that, I'd love this one. So, the, you know how they always have the editorial reviews? Mm-hmm. The first one, so it says, you know, review, praise for James Patterson. And then it has three or four different, you know. The one from USA Today says, the prolific Patterson seems unstoppable. I'm not really sure that's praise. Yeah, most unstoppable things are destructive, like yeah. tsunamis. Exactly. I think that they, they took that from USA Today, but it was like... I mean, it seems unstoppable because he has this farm of people that they're just putting out book after book. Can't stop this guy. We keep thousands trying. Of, thousands of people die with the newest James Patterson book. But I will say this. Um, it might be the number one book um, on Amazon right now. Uh, followed a close second by the book anthology. Um, but, man, <laughs> this one might be the one that stops Patterson. He's not getting a lot of love for this one. So right now, there are 47 reviews. 21 of them are one-star reviews. So, you know, almost 50% are negative reviews. He has 13 five-star, 21 one-star reviews right now. It's kind of rough. Do you want to take some one-stars? Um, sure, sure. This one's kind of interesting. There was a time when... I'm sorry, this is Don't Waste Your Time or Money. It's an Amazon verified purchase by Tom. There was a time when Patterson actually wrote books. Now he farms them out to co-authors who create the most unbelievable plots and characters. The story is told in the first person, which is somewhat interesting, except the character Ben constantly makes reference to old movie actors and moving lines as he is... I, I, I'm sorry, I guess it's supposed to be movie lines. As he is shot at, beaten, and chased by federal agents and Russian assassins. The plot just skips along like many of today's action movies where anything goes. It will be the last Patterson book I ever buy. Wow. Here's a, here's another one-star review. This one is uh, by Tender Moon. And the, 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 <laughs> the, the title is I'm Done. Few chapters in, throwing in the towel. Stupid, annoying movie-slash-presidential trivia nonsense keeps breaking into my train of thought and little else is happening. Not worth my time. Another instance where Patterson is laughing all the way to the bank. Oh, James... James, James. All right, I was going to read a five-star uh, review, but they were all like, 
It was suspenseful. I would recommend it to everybody I know. So it's like really boring. So now I'm moving on to the four stars. So please continue while I while I try to find something worth reading to our audience. Here's somebody who might be a little confused about what happens with Patterson books. This is Queen Paula uh, with a title of Disappointing. This guy rambles way too much. This does not read like James like a James Patterson. I've read all of his. Dude, that's like a hundred books. If I think that she, if she's read all of them. Yeah. <laughs> this one is not nearly as good. The plot gets waylaid by all the nonsensical references to movies. Man, these people hate movie references. Maybe we should see if uh, we can get David James Keaton to read this <laughs> book and see what he thinks about yeah. the movie references. Maybe Benjamin should have taken his medicine for bipolar and ADHD. I don't think I will purchase another written with this co-author. I've left it for my husband to read. Let's see how he rates it. (laughs) (laughs) This really shitty book. I'll let my spouse read it. Oh, yikes. All right, I've got two four-star ones I want to bring up really Mm -hmm. quick. First one, Terry Mumford. Perfect read for the plane. This story will keep you interested. It's actually a page-turner. I'm assuming... Nope, she bought a Kindle edition. <laughs> I was like, the pages so The pages work perfectly. They turned like no other book. <laughs> so it's not like a continuous scroll. Right. It's a, it's a, it, mm-hmm. You have to turn a page. The hero, in quotes, has an interesting backstory to match up with the book's main plot. All right, Terry. And then I've got another one. Lynette Goberdon. Goberdon? From Trinidad. A good read. I got quite fed up with the Alex Cross books. This one was different. It was refreshing that the main character was a reporter instead of a detective. Dude, the Alex, Alex Cross ones, I think, might be the only one he's, he still writes on his own, at least the ones he's credited with. The, a four-star book means he decided to make it a reporter instead of a detective. Yeah. Uh, all right. Sure. All right, here's a one-star uh, read from another unhappy um, customer whose name might be D. Donald R. Shipman, but it's like capital D, lowercase d. I'm thinking this is just a typo. <laughs> no more Patterson for me. Another Amazon verified purchase. This is all in capitals, so uh, use the appropriate inflection. I'm not at all pleased with JP's lending his name to other crappy author wannabes. Half this book filled with inane and stupid movie and actor references. Is this not piracy or simply infringement? At best, it is simply filler. Has Patterson retired? Does he really need stand-in co-authors? I'm done until his name only appears on his books. I intend to ask for a refund from Amazon on this Kindle edition. Save your money. Don Shipman, Dallas. Oh, Don. Sorry, buddy. Is it is it actually piracy? I don't think that's how that works. Yeah. All right. Well, Patterson watch. Yeah. So, um, you know, before I think it was just just us bad talking. There are a lot of four and five star reviews, but this one, man, nobody likes this. Nobody likes the movie references. Yeah. David James Keaton, read this and let us know if the movie references are any good. I got to say, uh, if if the Patterson crowd doesn't like the movie references, Keaton might be onto something. He might be heading in the right direction. You know what? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe we'd actually enjoy this book. <laughs> uh, it is a standalone. It's not part of a series, so we technically could read it. Ugh. 
I don't feel like stabbing my own eyes out, so I think we're going to pass. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) It's much easier if you just veto it and I don't have to. There we go. Yeah, I think 2014 is going to be the year of Rob saying no. (laughs) Yeah, but listen, listen. Some of the crappy books we've read, we actually had to. I mean, you know what? We we talked so poorly about James Patterson and his co-authored books. I mean, we had to read one to, to verify for ourselves, right? Yeah, that's true. We had to be fair. Yeah, I mean, that's if we're, we're going to address a book, then we should be educated, uh, not a book specifically, because I think this probably sounds like it's crap, but we now at least can say that, yes, some people go, have you ever read any Patterson? Go, yeah, we read that the fucking The Zoo. That was horrible. <laughs> so you're saying in order to have integrity as podcasters, we have to have read the author before we talk about them? Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I guess that makes sense. So you know, and in some cases, it'll be stuff we've read before the podcast. You know, I don't necessarily think we have to read it. You know, on the podcast, but yeah, I mean, I like to if I'm talking about an author, have some frame of reference. Yeah, um, can't argue with that. That's unassailable. Yep. All right, um, can I talk about the next episode? Go for it. <laughs> Our next episode is so super secret. Not even Rob or I know what it is. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we can't certainly can't tell you because we have no idea. But it's coming. There will be a next episode. That's right. The envelope is sealed and being delivered to us. Yep. So uh, we will be back in uh, just a few short days, like six or seven of them. And uh, that's it. That's all I've got for tonight. Is that enough? Yeah. Uh, that's plenty. I think we did a great job. Patterson kind of dra- like dragged out, I think, dragged on at the end, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit, but... Maybe. You know. Well, you know what? That could all be cleaned up in post. <laughs> right on. All right. That's going to do it for uh, this episode of Booked. Until next time, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Keep reading. <laughs>